When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. One, two, three. Welcome to the Rap Report with your host, Andrew Rappaport, where we provide biblical interpretation and application. This is a ministry of striving for eternity and the Christian podcast community. For more content or to request a speaker for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. Well, welcome to another edition of the Rap Report. I'm your host, Andrew Rappaport with Striving for Eternity Ministries, also the executive director of the Christian podcast community. Today... Well, October surprise, that's right, we are in a political season in America here, which means with an election November, we usually get something that happens early October known as the October surprise. What we want to do this episode is deal with some of the things that, well, they might have been October surprises, but they're definitely surprises. A lot has happened in the last two weeks here in America that is definitely going to affect things coming forward with the elections. And what I want to do here is give us a biblical perspective on some of these issues. So we're going to cover uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death. California just passed a law requiring corporations to have at least a certain number of LGBT or minority, i.e. blacks, on their board of corporations. And if they have nine members, they have to have at least three represented there in those categories. We're going to talk about the debate, if you want to call it that, with Trump and Biden. And then we're going to talk about the fact that President Trump now has COVID and how that may affect things. So let's dig into this. Unfortunately, Bud is not here with me, and I was trying to get Jim Osmond to join me because he would have had some great insights, but I gave him too little notice. My bad. Sorry, Jim. But I will recommend you go get Jim's new book, God Doesn't Whisper. If you haven't heard last week's podcast with Jim on that new book, you definitely want to get a copy of that. So make sure you go out to, uh, I think it's jimosman.com is where you could pick up your copy of God Doesn't Whisper. So let's start this episode with talking about the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, I do think that, I, I've mentioned this before on, on a podcast, that we have to recognize that whether we agree or disagree with her politics, obviously here on this show, we would be disagreeing with much of her politics. And though we disagree with her politics, we can still recognize that she was a remarkable individual, remarkable legal mind, and was able to do quite a bit. Now, we would disagree. We, we don't like to see the way that she moved things. It's always interesting to think that when you ask someone who is the first woman justice on the Supreme Court, most people think that it's Ruth Bader Ginsburg. In fact, I encourage you to go and ask. Do a poll. Go and ask people who was the first woman justice. See how many people, as I did, the majority of people will say Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And yet the first one was a Ronald Reagan appointee, Sandra Day O'Connor. 
Now, this is something that we end up noticing, and it's important for us to always remember to double-check things, check our facts, but also it's important for us as Christians to make sure that we're presenting things in a proper view. In other words, why is it that everyone thinks that Ruth Bader Ginsburg is, or or, sorry, was the first justice? Well, for a very simple reason. She got more attention, would be one. Two, because she's the one that would stand up and fight for what they would say is women's rights. And you end up seeing in that she had more of the reputation for being the the first woman, even though she wasn't. Now, this we end up seeing playing into a lot of different things when it comes to politics. Which of the two parties was the first party to support a ending of slavery? Which party was it that was the one that was defending those that were black? Which is the party that had the first black representative? Which is the party that pushed for civil rights? Now, if you ask people on the streets, the majority of people think that that's the Democrat Party. That would be incorrect. It actually was the Republican Party. You see, up until the 60s, African Americans supported overwhelmingly the Republicans. And the Democrats were the party that was the party of the KKK. They're the party of that was anti-abolition uh, of slavery. They supported slavery. They were the party that, well, was against civil rights. The Democrats were the party that fought all the way up until, well, the, the 60s, really, when the they ended up started to, after the civil rights, they started to see the blacks as a possible voter base, and they changed. What they ended up doing was pushing to say that they're the party for African Americans and the blacks and the minorities. The reality is, what have they really done? Well, let's see, under the Carter years, through the State Department, they started to bring in drugs, and they needed somewhere to dump it. They were The State Department was coming up with, with basically running drugs. I don't know if you even know this, but they were running drugs for the purpose of funding wars that they were doing in Nicaragua and other places. And so they needed somewhere to sell them. So they were bringing them in and dropping them in black communities, destroying the black family, destroying the, the hard work ethic that they used to have. And the government rushed in with solutions. Uh, they came in with things like welfare and stuff like that. What did they do? What did they end up doing in the black community? Well, they ended up basically producing a new kind of slavery for, for votes. See, it's not for plantation work. It's a new type of plantation. They're, they're looking to get people enslaved to votes. They do not provide a future for African Americans in this country. In fact, what you end up seeing is that they will work against that. They do everything to keep blacks from having an opportunity to excel. And then they say they're the party to helping them. Well, if all, after all these years of the Democrats, what have the Democrats actually done for the blacks? Well, I would say nothing. That's right, crickets. That's what they've done. They've done nothing. The, the thing that you end up seeing is that they ended up promoting that they're the party for the little guy. But who's their supporters? Oh, all the billionaires, right? So the thing that you end up seeing is that they keep the black people down. They keep them uneducated, destroy their families, do everything that will hurt them from being can basically being able to excel. And then they say, don't worry, we'll cover you. We'll, we'll make it up to you. We'll take care of it. But they don't actually do anything. And, and it's, it's gotten to a, a tipping point in this country. And what you end up seeing, and this is the point with Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death that I think is interesting, is it shows you how marketing works. That's really what you end up seeing in both of those cases. It's marketing. They've just been gaslighting. Are you familiar with gaslighting? So gaslighting is the idea where you have people that tell a lie long enough that someone believes it. This is from a movie where a husband was trying to convince his wife she was going crazy. 
he would turn lights on and say that they weren't and she would be going nuts because he kept saying the lights weren't on she would see them on he would turn them off and say they're on and she he drove her crazy because he told a lie long enough that she started to believe the lie rather than the truth and that's exactly what we have going on in this country and we see this in a whole lot of different ways You'll see it more than just whether Ruth Bader Ginsburg was the first justice or whether the Democrats are are the party of the black. You, you end up seeing this in a whole lot of areas now where you look at all the things that we get from the news. Basically, what the major media news is doing nowadays is nothing but gaslighting Americans. That's all they do. They just completely lie and, and tell Democrat talking points over and over and over again till people believe it. The, the newest one that we end up seeing is that somehow... Donald J. Trump is supports white supremacists. You heard that in the debate that we could get to, but the question was if he will denounce white supremacists. Well, which of those two men was actually a member of a white supremacist organization? It wasn't Donald Trump. It was Joe Biden. Which was the supporter of black supremacists today? Well, again, Joe Biden. So you end up seeing that he's willing to sway with whatever direction. He really doesn't care about white supremacy or black supremacy. But this is what you end up seeing is that they're going to argue that it's it's not Joe Biden that has the issue. It's Donald Trump. And they tell that lie long enough, hoping you believe it. So another thing with Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death that I think we do look at as Christians is the fact that here we have a woman who, though she was a Supreme Court justice, she supported basically every single agenda against God. Why is this such an issue now in our country? Why is this sort of not really an October surprise? Because, well, October surprises are usually planned by the Democrats to throw off the Republicans, give them something they have to respond to, and we're going to talk about one in a few minutes. But the thing that you end up seeing is it almost is an unplanned surprise because now all of a sudden the forefront of this election is going to be about who is the Supreme Court justice. The Democrats have tried to do everything they can to to prevent the law. That's really what it is. The president has the right to nominate a Supreme Court justice. The Senate has the right and responsibility to affirm or deny that justice. And this is the way our government works. And all of a sudden, there's all kinds of talk about whether we're going to allow the rule of law, whether we're going to allow the the law of the land to actually stand. There's arguments being made to, to put a stop to this. There's an argument where the Democrats are saying that if Trump loses the election and the Senate, they're going to pack the courts. In other words, they're going to try to stick more people on the courts so that they will be able to get four more justices that would be Democrats. Why? Because they need that. Now, how do we view this as Christians? Well, let's first look at the fact that we as Christians, Romans 13 and elsewhere, we submit to the government. Is the government set up the way we wish it would be? Well, there's, there's things in our government we don't like. We, we don't like that for many years now. It's been 5-4 in the Supreme Court going against Christian views. We don't like when we see the, the culture with some of the laws that, that is going on the books that are against Christian culture. However, as Christians, the thing that you and I must do is to remember that we answer to God. This is the perspective change that we must have. This is what it means to strive for eternity, is to not be so fixated and focused on the here and now, this temporal life, but to be focused on eternity. And that is going to be what, as Christians, we can do to have a different mindset when it comes to these things. I know far too many Christians that are panicking right now. They're worrying about what they see going on in the streets. They're worrying about a civil war coming. They're worrying about... All this stuff. And yes, I have the same concerns. There's people stocking up on foods. Is that wise to do? I think it might be because I'm just looking at history, looking at our culture and saying, we're going to have possible food shortages. We might have a civil war. We might have a lot of bad things coming this way. I do believe that Christians will be under persecution very shortly. And so as we look at these things, it, it, can force us to be so focused on the here and now. But what really is getting that focus to occur? 
Well, what's getting that to occur is a very simple thing, fear, fear. Now we have fear in a couple different ways that's affecting many people. One, we are seeing that we are seeing in the news, the rioting and the looting on the streets, and that causes us to, to worry about our future for good reason. You know, we, we could look at the basically with, within our for the Christians, we could look at this and say, well, it looks like we're going to be having a lot of trouble coming really soon. Like I said, I expect that we're going to have persecution. We have fear. You can look at the culture and see that the the politicians, the media are getting everyone to fear so much that wear masks. The masks don't protect you. They don't do much for you, but be afraid. What happens when we see everyone wearing a mask? You're afraid. One of the reasons I don't want to wear a mask is because I don't want to give in to the fear that is driving everyone because the fear makes people act irrationally. And that's what we have. 58 times in the Bible, it says, do not fear. When you end up seeing in Joel 2.21, do not fear, O land, rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has done great things. I like that one because it puts the perspective. You see, it's not just do not fear. It replaces, it's not that you should be fearing, but you should be rejoicing and be glad. Why? There's a purpose for it. Because of the great things that the Lord has done. This should be the mindset for the Christian. The Christian is to be focused on the fact that we are not to fear. We are to be focused on the Lord. And when we're focused on the Lord, guess what? We're going to rejoice instead of fear. This is the thing that you end up seeing. We have a reason not to fear. Matthew 10, 31. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. God takes care of the sparrows, doesn't he? Well, if he can take care of the sparrows, how much more will he take care of you when you're one of his own, one of his children? I encourage you to go through the scriptures and look at the 58 times it says, do not fear. Get get a concordance out. Look that up and study it and rejoice. Because right now, as of today, and I don't know her, her heart, but as far as we could tell, right now, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, oh, she didn't fear on earth. She didn't fear God, which she should have. But she is in a world of hell right now. And we don't want that for anyone. And this is the thing for Christians. We should be about the purpose of sharing the gospel. So one of the things I see with Ginsburg's death that has different ramifications, I could get into the political aspect of it with the fact that she's being replaced, hopefully, with a very conservative pro-life candidate. Now, does this mean that abortion is going to end? Unfortunately, I doubt it. I do not believe, and I would be glad to be wrong on this. Please be wrong. I don't think we're ever getting rid of abortion. Why? Because it is something that the Democrats have created as the linchpin that keeps their party together, that keeps people emotionally voting. Crazy to think about. Crazy to think about that they want to be the party of death. That should tell you something right there, shouldn't it? So after this break, I would like to move into discussing a new law in California. The good news is Striving for Eternity would love to come to your church to spend two days with your folks teaching them biblical hermeneutics. That's right, the art and science of interpreting scripture. The bad news is somebody attending might be really upset to discover Jeremiah 2911 should not be their life verse. To learn more, go to strivingforeternity.org to host a Bible interpretation made easy seminar in your area. My name is Andy Olson, and I want to tell you about Echozoi Radio. Echozoi Radio is a podcast outreach of Echozoi Ministries. Every month, I find a knowledgeable guest to talk about an important and interesting topic that affects the church today. We carefully balance the discussions of positive, God-glorifying doctrines of Orthodox Christianity from a mostly Reformed point of view with exposés of heresy, false teaching, and poor practice that goes on throughout the church today. You can find us at echozoe.com. That's E-C-H-O-Z-O-E dot com. All right, and that Echo Zoe is a member of the Christian Podcast community, so I encourage you to check that out. What I want to do now is talk about a law that Governor Newsom in California just signed. This is a troublesome law. 
So the Democrat lawmakers there in California uh, passed a law that states, quote, while some corporations have already been leading the way to combat implicit bias, now all California corporate boards will reflect the diversity of our state, unquote. Now, let's think about that. They're, they're going to force the diversity. How? Well, they're going to force it that you end up having to have one representative that is LGBT and one that is a minority race. Now, minority race is not counted as minorities in the country because Asians are not considered minority, even though there's less of them in America than blacks. But blacks are a minority. Now, you sit there and say, well, wait a minute. Uh, minority by definition is fewer. Yes, but we don't count it that way anymore. You see, this is the, again to that gaslighting. We, we say something over and over. I remember when my children were going to college and I was trying to get them scholarships being a minority. Why? Because they are Asian. And I was told, sorry, Asians are not a minority. They do fine in school. And I went, excuse me, that's not how we define minority. Minority means less than others, like less than something. It's a comparison. No, it's based on your privilege, we would use the word today that they would argue. And so the fact that the Asians take family serious, education serious, they work hard, they don't need a handout. Well, why not encourage the others to do the same versus getting a handout, right? I mean, we would say that. So the they want to force uh, the state boards, anyone that has a corporation, to force them in diversity that matches the state. Now, it's interesting because when you look at the demographics of California, you look at this bill, every board has to have one LGBT. So if you're a board of, say, two people, one of them must be a homosexual. The other one must be a minority race. So are you saying that 100% of the, the demographic of California, half of them are gay and the other half are black? Obviously not. In fact, if you have a board of nine people, this law is going to require you have at least three representatives from one of those two groups. Huh? So Governor Newsom is saying that a third of all of the state of California are homosexuals or black. Hmm. You, you see, let me bring this a little bit closer to home for us as Christians. We end up having to ask the question, what defines a corporation? The reason I ask this, and I'm waiting to, to see more on this bill that just passed and see how it's going to be applied, because every nonprofit, in other words, a 501c3, is a corporation. By definition, every church is a corporation because every church by definition fits under a 501c3. They're, they're basically have a clause when you look at the 501c3 laws, churches automatically are put into a 501c3 category, whether or not they request it. So that would say that every church needs to have one homosexual on the board and, and, and a minority race. Really? We should be seeing some outrage about this in California, and I'm not seeing it. Why am I not seeing it? Because this is flying under the radar. Because all the other things everyone's afraid about. I think that's why Newsom put this in now. To have these quotas basically forcing businesses and I think it may end up coming down to churches on who they can have. So if you have nine pastors in a pastor-led church in California, you're going to have to have at least three of them to be practicing homosexuals or minority race. So I think of a church like Grace Community Church, where they have 45 different pastors. I wonder how many of them, how many of those are going to have to be either minority race or homosexual. And so this is a way that we, we end up seeing, this is just the beginning, folks. We're going to see more of this, where we're going to see that the Democrats are going to do things like this, where they are going to continue to try to stop the church. How many churches are going to be willing in California to hire someone who's homosexual just to have their church? I mean, can you picture John MacArthur, Grace Community Church doing that? 
Yeah, I don't think so. He's already putting up a fight with Newsom and winning in the courts, by the way. Uh, and hey, let me give you a, a sidebar with, with that, since I mentioned that, give you a little insight. Really interesting thing. I don't know if you guys heard what's going on with Grace Community Church. Don MacArthur standing up to the governor and saying, look, we have a constitutional right to meet and we're going to do that. You don't have the right to restrict us. This is going to court. And it, it went to a court hearing and the church won. And the city got upset. So what did they do? There was for 45 years, the church has been leasing two parking lots and it gives them about 250 parking spots. And they have been doing that for 45 years, paid millions of dollars over the years for these parking lots. And the city just said, nope, we're ending the lease. You, you have 30 days. That's it. Done. And so you're losing 250 parking spots, which in that area, if you're not familiar with the area where the church is, parking is a premium. People, those parking lots are actually pretty far from the church. You, you have to walk a pretty good distance, but people do it every week. And so right now, because they're having to do services outside, their, their main parking lot's covered with a tent so that people can be outside for services. And they have some inside so that they can have the social distancing and not have as many people. They're doing that. Well, guess what? For years, there's been a synagogue right up the street from them. And that synagogue, they've actually reached out to the synagogue for, for a couple of years saying, we would, you know, is there any way we could use your parking lot on Sunday since you don't you use it on Saturday? And, and they really haven't gotten far with the synagogue. But the synagogue, seeing John MacArthur stand up, said, you know what? They contacted the church and said, with everything going on, said, would you like to use our synagogue? And oh, by the way, if you want, you could even use the building. And now they're able to start doing things in that building as an overflow rather than going into the the parking lot that they have. So, see, this is something that they gave up reaching out to the synagogue years ago, and now the synagogues reach out to them. Why? Because they're standing up for the truth. And this is so. This is a sidebar. I didn't plan on that, but that that's the thing that you end up seeing is that when you stand up for the truth, as as I think that church is doing, they're being honored. By God, God is opening some some opportunities there, and they're able to to do more than they they thought they'd be able to. So, as many of us thought this this lease was a horrible thing, God opened it up. God by the with doctrine of concurrence. That's when God can use even man's sinful actions for His glory. That was in play. You see that doctrine played out the clearest in the life of Joseph, where Joseph will say to his brothers, "You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good." That is the doctrine of concurrence. So, how does this play in with the CA law? Well, I think this California law may end up forcing churches, definitely going to force businesses, but force churches to have to have people on their board just based on color of skin or sexual preference. Is that how we as a church select pastors? We need to think about these things because these things are going to come up and we need to fight this as a religious liberty issue. This is constantly what is going on. They, they keep coming after the church. Now, let me tell you what's going to end up happening. My guess. They're going to say this doesn't affect the church. This is only going to be for non-for-profit uh, for corporations. And they say that today. But you watch, because that is going to quickly become something that they apply to the nonprofits. Soon as it's accepted, soon as people accept this law and see that it's in play, and now it's law land and it's enforced, they're going to start expanding it. it happens all the time. It's this trickle effect. As, as Christians, we need to stand up for truth. And what I find too many Christians will do is say, well, this only affects the businesses, so we could let it go. It won't affect the church. It will eventually, but by the time you wake up to fight it in the church, it's too late because it already became the law of the land. Oh, so many people were, would, would say, well, it's not a big deal. That affects other people, and it affects other people today. But as Christians, we stand up for truth. That's what we stand up for. And it doesn't matter if that truth is a small one or a big one. And this is the thing that we have to do as Christians. So, 
that, that's part of the reason I don't want to wear a mask, because the truth is the mask isn't going to protect you. In fact, they don't want you to wear an N95 mask in, anymore. You don't hear that from, from the left. When Trump was spe- talking about masks, it was the N95 mask. What they want to talk about is these masks that you see everyone wearing, the cheap masks that don't really do much. In fact, 15 minutes of breathing into that mask, it breaks down and does almost, well, I wouldn't say almost nothing. It, it, but it's not going to prevent you from getting COVID. But you know what you can't? You cannot have a, a vented mask, which would protect you. If you had a vented mask, like an N95 mask, that's going to protect you, what you breathe in, because it's filtered. You can't wear those. What does that say? They're, they're saying that they don't want you to protect yourself. You're supposed to somehow protect others with a mask that actually breaks down. And when you sneeze or something, it's gonna, the, the germs are going to come straight through it. You go, well, well, then why wear the mask? Exactly. It's for fear. And that was, I, I actually was going to do a podcast episode arguing that we should wear masks. And my argument was going to be to share the gospel. I, I just think that not wearing a mask causes everybody to look at you in fear. And, and they do. That's what it's come to, that they're afraid of anybody who doesn't wear a mask. And I was in a meeting with John MacArthur, about 250 of us, I think, uh, where he was trying to encourage pastors to to stand up for truth, and and he convinced me. I, you know, I admit it. Doctor Silvestro, who like never wears a mask, uh, who was was going to challenge me on on my argument for not or for wearing a mask for the gospel's sake, and I said, nope. MacArthur convinced me. Why? Because it's it's a lie. We're wearing a mask to to further encourage fear in people. And, and that's what we end up having. And so that's why I don't wear them. Now, I want to get to the debates. And I'm gonna, I, I'll do that after this commercial. Hey, I'm Joel. Hey, this is Troy. Have you ever thought about how many sermons have never been listened to because they were never recorded because they came out before recordings? On our podcast, Revive Thoughts, we take the roughly 1,900 years of sermons and try to bring them back to life. We talk about the history, we talk about the setting, and every week we have a different speaker deliver these sermons for us to listen to once again. So this is your chance to listen to sermons by people like Calvin, by people like Spurgeon, by people like Knox, and maybe some people you've never heard of, like Johann Tauler or Alexander White. Let us live and move and have our being and deal with men as if a dying, risen entity. See poor Lazarus in his full frightening misery and behind him Christ. The hand cannot alone deliver man. The body must... You can find Revive Thoughts on any podcast app or player that you have and at revivethoughts.com. We hope you learn something new and grow closer to God. Hey, I'm Daryl, and I'm here with my wife, Karen. What's up? And we're the hosts of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, the podcast that seeks to answer the question that we've all asked, what are we even doing here? We cover topics such as marriage, family, life, and living a Christian life in this crazy world. We don't have all the answers, but we know where to look. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud as we seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. All right, and those are just some of the podcasts on the Christian podcast community. Let's talk about the debate. Oof, that was hard to watch. Man, I think Trump was right that he was debating two people. He he ended up debating both the moderator, Chris Wallace, and Biden, the opponent. Now, I'll say right from the get-go. First, I do not believe that Donald Trump is a Christian. <gasps> Shocker! I mean, some people are horrified. They, they, some people, I think, really believe he is. He's not. Um, so what you end up seeing, though, is he was completely rude and unpresidential in that debate. Now, not to give Biden a pass because he was interrupting just as much, but notice he interrupted differently. He, well, maybe not just as much. I mean, Trump did a lot of interrupting in the beginning, and Biden did a lot of interrupting at the end. So what it did was it, it gave you the impression that Trump did more, and he did. But Biden's words, Biden's words, interruptions were meant for the watching audience. Okay, what do I mean by that? Trump's um, interruptions were to interrupt Biden to get him to answer questions that Trump knew Chris Wallace wouldn't answer and to force, try to force an actual debate on issues that Biden's going to have trouble on. Biden, his comments, if you listen to his interruptions, they were under his breath. 
They were purposefully quiet so that it would be picked up by the mic and not Trump. Now, there were some times that that Biden got upset and ended up calling him a clown twice, told him to shut up. Again, not presidential. I I mean, based on that action, both of them would disqualify themselves. It really is. The, The thing that you end up seeing is they both acted poorly. And, and Chris Wallace wasn't any better. It was a pathetic. I, I literally was embarrassed for our country watching that. Now, you ended up seeing that this is something that ends up happening in these debates. What I would love to see in the debates, I want to get rid of the moderator. I really would. Just let these guys ask each other questions. And if you have a moderator, it's only to manage time. That's it. Just here you go. Here you have, you know, President Trump ask your question. Okay. Vice President Biden, you have two minutes to answer. Boom. And I would actually say that you don't have a time limit on debates. Have it go until they're done asking questions. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you need to cap it, cap it at four hours, five hours, something like that. Don't tell me people can't do that. We do YouTube videos longer than that. Sometimes we, we do apologetics live shows and we have people, hundreds of people tuning in for that long. So I'm sorry. I know that people will have that much of an attention span. But the, what you end up seeing, I mean, look, well, the Lincoln-Douglas debates is an example. They, they just, that, that would, is what we should do. Have them get up and ask. And, and if, if one of them doesn't answer, question gets asked again. I mean, just expose. Because Trump ended up doing that. He ended up saying to, to Biden, he said, name one law enforcement agency that endorses you. Now, he should have shut his mouth at that point and let the dead silence be enough. But Chris Wallace, the moderator, saves him. Well, let's, let's change topics. Really? That, that, like, no, make him answer that question. How about the question of that he is yet to answer and actually in the debates that he wouldn't answer when Trump asked him, will you stack the courts? What was his answer? I'm not going to answer that. Well, in a debate, I'm not going to answer that isn't a valid answer, right? The moderator should have shut his mouth and said, either let him answer or if he did say anything, he should have said, Vice President Biden, please answer the question. He didn't. He defended him and said, let's change topics. The questions that were asked show, again, the gaslighting. question was asked to President Trump, will you denounce white supremacists? Well, President Trump has a history of denouncing white supremacists. And he's like, name them. Who? Who? Which groups? Because those aren't the groups that are rioting on the streets. That's right. It's not the white supremacists rioting on the streets. It's the black supremacists rioting on the streets. And like I said, who is it that was a member of a white supremacist organization? Biden. There was no question to Biden whether he would denounce white supremacists. There was no question. Well, there was a question that came from Trump. Will you denounce Antifa and other terrorist organizations, right? Black Lives Matter and Antifa are a terrorist organization. Why is that a valid question? Because if you go to Antifa's website and you go to donate to them, it sends you to the Biden campaign. So you can't say that there's not a link here between Antifa, who is doing the rioting and looting on the streets and acting as terrorist organization on the streets, and Biden. We do not allow terrorist organizations to run for office. And what we have now seen is that we have the Democrat Party is endorsing, encouraging terrorist activity. I would argue that every Democrat needs to be out of office immediately because the Democrat Party is now a terrorist organization. And the, the debate just shows it. They, they're, the, Chris Wallace was not going to ask anything, it seemed, that was going to be hard for Biden. I mean, he brought up the question of Trump's taxes. Okay, fair question to ask. I think that Trump could have just said, yeah, I uh, don't have an income. I'm giving it all away. I mean, if you notice, the year that they wanted to bring up for when he didn't pay taxes was at when he was president. Now, as president, he is donating his salary. So he's not receiving income. He's donating that. And because the Democrats are trashing his business, he's taken a loss. So he doesn't, he's not making money or having income. And so the reality is, is if you're not having an income, yeah, there's there's ways to avoid paying taxes. This is the thing that the, the Democrats like to think, like somehow people are doing something wrong. They write these taxes and say, we're going to tax the rich, but then they give loopholes for the rich to not pay. 
you and I, as average citizens, we don't have those kind of things. And they're not loopholes. They're put in the, they call them loopholes as if it's something not in the law. But they wrote it in the law. They put it into law. So it's not really a loophole. It's the law. It, it allows for people to avoid having to pay too much in taxes. And so this is what you end up seeing. You see that they will constantly do this kind of thing. Where, where they're going to say that they're, you know, a loophole. This is, he's somehow getting away with something. But you know a question that, that wasn't able to be asked of Biden that should have, well, Trump tried, which is, how come Biden's son, who took Air Force Two to Russia, which by taking Air Force Two makes it a government trip, and Biden's son received millions of dollars from Russia? Huh. No interest in those kind of questions. You see, this is the gaslighting, convincing Americans, and, and the white supremacy question was set up as an October surprise, in my opinion. But it isn't the one that the Democrats care about anymore. But that is what they were arguing for, that he's a white supremacist. They want to push that because they're pushing the rioting that's going on the streets, the Black Lives Matter, Antifa, all that's going on the streets, Democrat encouraged. Democrat approved. Now they want to blame Trump for that, by the way. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's Trump's fault. See, they want peaceful protests, but Trump supporters, these radical right-wing people, they're the ones that are out there trying to create all the rioting and looting and make it look like it's Black Lives Matter. Really? Because just a few weeks ago, they were all saying that this looting and rioting was reparations for slavery, and it should be accepted. We we have to remember these things. As Christians, we can't sit here and say, well, we're going to just forget about the fact that things happen. This is what the the media wants people to do. Forget whatever was said yesterday. Forget about it. It only what we can today. So we could say the exact opposite from last week. Ignore that. You know, there was a book written dealing with this. 1984. I encourage you to pick up a copy and read it because it's happening in our day and age right now. They had a thing called Newspeak. Newspeak is where maybe you said something was black last week, but today it's white. And so what you do is you have to go through all of the history and rewrite the history to replace black with white. And by doing that, what you end up doing is you're actually controlling the past. And throughout the book, it'll tell you, those who control the past control the future. What do we have going on on our streets? A rewriting of the past. Let's tear down every monument and everything that reminds us of anything we don't like, and we'll rewrite the past because we want to control the future. So that debate was something that, as, as a Christian, I really see a problem with our world leaders because they are not acting in a way that, or conducting themselves in a way that would, would honor the office that they hold to. Both of those men dishonored that office. Now, I I think my theory is that Trump wanted to expose Biden's weakness, and I think what he wanted to do is get under Biden's skin to get him to lose it. And he was losing it. Toward the end, he started to to lose it more and more. He started to lose his composure. He started to start forgetting things. He started to mess up on numbers. It was interesting because, you know, Biden wouldn't... um, allowed to be checked for some listening devices in his ear. If you watch the debate, you'll see him check, push, touch his ear a number of times. And then when he was, soon as he walks off, he, he ends up adjusting his jacket and you ended up seeing something in his ear. And uh, he was quickly, when he went off stage, was, was pulled aside. And so, so there's actual footage that, that seems to indicate that he was cheating. Uh, Trump wanted a drug test. He didn't want to submit to that. Well, I think that what you end up seeing is the a Christian has to expect that this is going to happen with the world. And where we could get all upset about this, I got news for us. If Joe Biden becomes president of the United States, that's because God ordained it. Ouch, that hurts. That That's hard to say, but it's true. If, if God ordains that Joe Biden is president, then God has a reason for it. What we have to do is submit to that. Maybe God wants persecution. Maybe it's time for the church to be purged of all the heresy that goes on, to be purged of the word of faith movement. Because I got the news for you. When Christianity is illegal, Benny Hinn and all those guys, they're shutting things down. They won't be doing, maybe they'll be doing it overseas. They'll leave America. They'll hop on their jets and buy a new home somewhere else. But they won't be doing it here. Why? Because they're in it for the money. They're not in it for for the ministry. But you know what that's going to do? That's going to purge 
all the nonsense in, in the Christian church, and we're, we're going to end up having a pure church. Maybe that's what God wants. The question is, are you ready for that, Christian? Are you ready to stand up and say, you know what? Even in the face of persecution, God wins. I'm going to be on God's side. I'm going to with, with do, endure whatever God has for us. So after this break, I want to deal with the last topic, which is what I think is an October surprise, but of a different kind again, but that President Trump has COVID. So let's pick that up right after this break. Are you just watching? Do you enjoy watching movies? The special effects, the interesting characters, the great stories. There's a lot to enjoy that comes out of Hollywood. But sometimes it's best to approach secular media with a healthy dose of critical thinking. Join me, E. Franklin. And Tim Martin. As we discuss our favorite movies. And share critical thinking for the entertained Christian. So visit areyoujustwatching.com to subscribe. And don't just watch. Two, two, two great books and one website. Visit strivingforeternity.org. There are two books that I would like to recommend you purchase. What they, meaning people who aren't Christians, other religions believe, and what we believe. Systematic Theology Made Simple. Both are great resources, especially if you plan on witnessing to somebody. Strivingforeternity.org. And you can pick those books up along with some others at the Striving for Eternity store. By the way, have you checked out the new website? You could go to sfe.bible. Make it simple. sfe.bible. That's our new link. It'll still take you to strivingforeternity.org, but it's an easier way to get there. You could go to our store. We got a new website if you haven't checked it out. We have new articles coming up regularly. So check out sfe.bible today. Go to the store, pick up some books. We are uh, putting some new books out. We're going to be getting our books out on Kindle as well. Some have been asking for that for a long time. What do they believe is out on Kindle? We're going to update that version. We're going to be putting What Do We Believe out on Kindle. We'll probably have Dr. Silvestro's book on the origin of kinds out on Kindle. So those are coming soon. Uh, we'll also be able to purchase them right through Amazon. So, But better to get them through Striving for Turing because, boy, does Amazon just take a lot of money just for them to list it on their site. So with that, let's get to the last thing. And I don't know if you've heard, maybe your head's been in the sand, I hope not, but President Trump got COVID. Why do I bring this up as an October surprise? Well, this is sort of in the same camp as what Ruth Bader Ginsburg was, was an October surprise. It wasn't one that they planned, but it's one that they want to use. I think that what they planned to use was the white supremacy in the debate. Now, the president having COVID presents a problem because one of the things that, and I, I will say this, and some may get upset because not some people think he can't say anything good about Joe Biden. I, I will respect that Joe Biden, his campaign, turned off all the negative ads that they had once Trump was, it was announced he was going to the hospital with COVID. He cut off all negative campaigns. He and Harris both put out statements having thoughts, I don't know what thoughts are, but having thoughts for the president. I think it's because they don't want to say they're praying for him. Well, their prayers, God, like, God doesn't listen to that. I mean, he hears everything, but, you know, this is the thing. They don't want to say he, they're praying for him. So what you end up seeing is, I think that's good. But what are they going to be using? Well, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about the masks. What's the argument they make? Oh, because he didn't have a mask, because he didn't have a mask, that's the proof. That's right there. I mean, there you go. Boom. He didn't have a mask, and that's why everyone got sick. Now, it is interesting because it's not just the president and his wife. Now, the vice president has tested negative. The second lady has tested negative. Uh, Trump's son has tested negative. A whole bunch of reporters that were there tested positive. Huh. You know who they didn't ever test? Chris Wallace. Yeah. He showed up late, and they never tested him. A whole bunch of reporters tested positive. Now, is it that, as some are claiming, that the reporters got COVID, uh, several of them, so that they could give it to the president? Now, you know, in any other time, I would say that's a conspiracy theory. (laughs) I really would. It sounds like it's a conspiracy theory. But you know what? The Democrats have gotten so wacky, and the left has gotten so wacky, I put nothing past them anymore. I actually wouldn't put it past them trying to give people COVID that are close to the president so they would get it, even though everyone gets tested. 
Do I think that's true? No, I don't think it's true. But I wouldn't put anything past the Democrats these days. So here's the thing that they're going to do. You're going to see the big talk is going to be that the president got COVID because he wasn't wearing a mask. How far was he from Biden and everyone? I mean, he, he keeps distance from all these people, right? And he gets tested every day. It's like, what is the, you know, all the people that are around him have to get tested. I find it, I do have to admit, they get tested daily, okay? Everyone around the president is tested daily for COVID. The reporters, daily. When they come in for the briefings, they're tested. Everybody's tested. I find it very strange. It's a very unique coincidence. And if I ran the numbers, it would be pretty astronomical that the president, the first lady, many people in the media, many people close to the president, all, all on one day, magically got COVID. It just seems kind of strange to me. I have to admit, when, when you look at this, you go, boy, it, it sure seems like a conspiracy because the numbers of people, it's astronomical because any reporter that gets COVID is not allowed to be in the press room. And yet, how, how did all these people get it? It seems strange. But the October surprise they're going to use is they're going to use this to say, see, even the president of the United States with all the testing isn't safe because he didn't wear a mask. And what does the mask do? Instills fear. That's what they want, the fear. That's what they're after. And that's what's going to drive people in this, this election. They're going to be afraid. If, well, if we don't vote for Biden, if the president could get it, then we can get it. That'll be the October surprise. As Christians, as I already said earlier, do not fear. Rejoice. Because even in all this craziness, God is in control. That's the thing as Christians we remember. We serve a risen king. And with that, that's a wrap. This podcast is part of the Striving for Eternity ministry. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.